at the end of the day, like my story is my story. It's going to be the thing that I can write, the thing that it feels worth writing to me. And if that isn't what everybody wants, that's not any different from the rest of my life where like, you know, I'm not what everyone wants. I'm not going to be everyone's friend. Not everyone is going to like me. And that's just okay. That's what life is. This is the Crit RPG Podcast. Your one-stop shop for everything lit RPG, progression fantasy, and royal road. Hi, and welcome everybody to the Crit RPG Podcast. The only podcast where I'm editing way too late because I forgot to insert a normal greeting. Today's guest is Marebear, who has been nominated by the Council of the Eternal Hiatus Discord server as a person I should talk to. I hope you'll enjoy this podcast as much as I did talking to him, and I think you'll find him a very interesting person. Thank you so much, as always, for listening, and let's get on with the show. How did you start with Broken Path? So a lot of false starts with stories where I just didn't care enough to keep going like it was exciting to start something new and then it was over and you know a bunch of authors and voices out there in the creative space talk about if you care enough about your project you're not going to drop it yeah that's like if you're worried about motivation pick something you really care about stop waiting to do the thing that you think you're not good enough to do yet Mm -hmm. and so i just was like okay well i love cultivation novels i love like i love the potential to explore the metaphysical and I love how it the overlaps it has with my own experiences when I was a mystic, you know, and with my own martial arts practices and stuff. And I have some issues with some of the novels I've read and some of the tropes and the way certain things are portrayed and this <laughs> oh, <no>. trending. <laughs> and so I was like, okay, well, how about I write the, the cultivation novel for myself Ooh, yeah. that I want to read? And then I was like, okay, well, I've also been getting in touch with my roots and I don't see a lot of like Middle Eastern representation in mm-hmm. fantasy. I and I wanted to see some of that. And then I, was, I also wanted to explore some of my own trauma and be able to work through some things. And, and it, I don't know, I, I didn't, a lot of it wasn't as intentional as this makes it sound. <laughs> <laughs> um, like it wasn't some systematic process. I just, a bunch of ideas started storming around in my brain. And eventually mm-hmm. I started kind of like noting them down and just had this kind of like idea dump that I did for the, over the course of a month. And then I was like, okay, I think I'm ready to start writing and see where it goes. And the more I've written, the more I know what this story is and what it's about and the themes I want to explore. Yeah, I think we're very similar in that, in that kind of way. <laughs> Torchbearer also has like some some auto autobiographical elements. Um, my biggest issue with Torchbearer is that at some point I want Sam to kind of move on and get a bit you know, get a bit different, have a better life. And that means that I will have to write from another point of view than myself sometimes. Mm. But I'm also doing that. I'm already doing that right now. I'm not nearly as angry as Sam is. I'm just always playing it up. So I think it's going to be fun. I just need to remember that she has like a certain path that she's on and not have her relapse too often, you know? Yeah. Okay. But I mean, so you're saying that basically Broken Path is your life. That's where you are right now. It's got a lot of me in it. 
but it's also got a lot of... So I have an issue with empathy and internal boundaries where my whole life, I wasn't really aware that this wasn't normal, but other people's experiences would bleed into me. And so a lot of things were very overwhelming and I had to figure out how to adapt to that. And so, you know, it's like the trauma that I internalized from my own experiences and the trauma I internalized by not having the proper internal boundaries and then deciding to work in the therapeutic industry. And just, you know, being one of those people who has that energy that makes people want to spill their guts, you know. Indigo kids. Yeah. Yeah, I know, I know, I know what you're talking about. I have been called the same. And some of this is always, I mean, it makes for really good writing. You can just be a conduit for all these different emotions, all these different people, and you kind of get to know these people and understand what they what they want and why they want it. And but understanding can also be a trap, right? Because if you always understand everyone, having your own internal boundaries set up against them gets very hard. Because you can always say like, oh yeah, he, he only does this because of X, and that's how uh, abusive relationships start and stuff like that, right? Yeah. So. Yep. Yep. So yeah. Okay. Cool. You're like a more chill me in some ways. <laughs> I'm just you without the without any chemical support. <laughs> yeah, I I am unbearable. I really don't think so. Yeah, thank you. No, before the show started, we talked about this. I put my foot in my mouth today. So, quits if you're listening to this, sorry again. <laughs> yeah, but give me a second here. Need to. Why am I? What the fudge? Oh, right. Yeah, here we go. <sighs> Maybe we've been talking about life advice for a while now, right? Here we have, yeah. yeah. This is now a life advice podcast. <laughs> Crit life, I guess. My, It's my primary channel to talk about this stuff, so you're going to have to redirect us. <laughs> <laughs> it's fun. And I think Royal Road is amazing if you want to come by and just relax and have good entertainment. When I'm reading Lit RPG, I'm reading this because I want to be entertained and I want to know the good guys will win. That's why I'm doing this, right? And then there's some stories that are like really good at doing this. And some stories are like, you know, they're always teetering along like a little brook. That's also cool, right? And that's what you always get at Royal Road. And then sometimes you get things like, for example, Mammal's story or yours or, yeah, well, kind of mine, I guess. Where suddenly there's like deep explorations of the, of the human psyche, all like wrapped into like some sort of like progression fantasy shell. And sometimes that upsets people because they are not coming to Royal Road to, well, maybe some people do. Maybe I'm, I'm being too judgmental. But there's definitely a subset of people who don't come here to question their own mortality or reasoning. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah, or there's a lower tolerance for the time spent doing so. You know, yeah, it's like, we can do that a little bit. But maybe just a snippet in, in in dialogue rather than like the thematic underpinnings of every event, you know. Yeah. And I think some some of that is also. I mean, I've, I've literally just completely not written uh, Jason Asano clone into my story for shits and giggles. I've, I haven't done that. No, it's a complete original character. What are you talking about? No, but I th- I'm. I mean, I thought about he fights with monsters a lot over the last couple of days, and I think that's also one problem that. Shortaloon has with some audiences that don't like the navel gazing that Jason has to do to grow as a character. Jason's Jason has been struggling with this entire conflict of himself, right? Am I the angry guy? Am I the fun guy? Who am I really? Who do I want to be? Why do I keep getting in these situations? And can I stop? He's been struggling with that for since book two, I think. So book two and a half, maybe book three. 
And I think for some people, it really gets too much because by now it's really not about fighting monsters anymore. It's about fighting the monster inside of you. And it's very hard to write that, I think, especially in a serial novel, because at some point you have to end that. You have to like make the character, okay, no, we're done with this. And that's super hard. I have no idea. Because then you're writing past your experience, right? Mm -hmm, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Especially when there's an element of self-insert. And I think this is what we were talking about earlier, right? Mm -hmm. Of like, it's so hard to get your character past where you're at. Oh, yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's true. I mean, good thing is I know the next steps. (laughs) (laughs) I've been coaching enough to know the steps. And like I said, I'm not nearly as angry as Sam is. But, you know, everyone has, has doubts, Everyone has their little niggling fears. I mean, you used to be, you used to work in in, in, thera- in the therapeutic industry. You know all this stuff, right? Yeah. So I think writing characters that are believable is writing characters with trauma. Oh, because absolutely. Everyone has one. And you look at the popcorn fantasies and they have really major trauma a lot of the time. Yeah. It's just the way that it's presented. Again, it's I'm, I, I like calling actions drugs because whether or not you shoot heroin or you go and beat people up is the same thing. Or if you like numb yourself and don't think about it, or think about anything else, or drink, or feast, or I don't know, engage in an insane loot spiral to kind of numb your feelings, right? Yeah. Everything can be a drug. Doing things not because they feel right, but because they are right, is a very important step that I think every person needs to make at some point or should make, but many people don't. But mm. this brings me to a question. Yeah. And that is, what's the best advice you've gotten as a writer? I don't know. I don't think I have any like snappy one-liners for that. I, mean, I didn't send you the question beforehand, so. <laughs> yeah, I've listened to your episode, so I should have had something in the deck. Let me pause for a second and just think. That's okay. And here again, stoicism is very important because now I can say it's your fault and not mine. <laughs> Except that that wouldn't be you practicing stoicism, would it? <laughs> That'd be you projecting your stoicism onto me while oh, neglecting yeah. your own. But, Why are you not acting according to my virtues? God damn it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Which I think is always the fun thing, talking about virtue or belief systems. Mm. I think one of the biggest things that I've been pushed towards by various authors is just owning my voice, you know? Mm-hmm. At the end of the day, like, my story is my story. It's going to be the thing that I can write, the thing that it feels worth writing to me. And mm-hmm. if that isn't what everybody wants, that's not any different from the rest of my life where, like, you know, I'm not what everyone wants. I'm not going to be everyone's friend. Not everyone mm-hmm. is going to like me. And that's just okay, you know? Like, that's what life is. Yeah. That sounds so sad because everyone loves me and everyone, everything I always do always has to be perfect. <laughs> yeah, well, and I think that's the biggest thing is just letting go of perfectionism. Mm-hmm. And when we're striving for perfection as artists, using the correct method, like, metrics for measuring that, Yeah, I think, right? Like, if understanding your goal, if your goal is to be the number one the next shirtaloon you know mm-hmm. or the next defiance of the fall you know then your metric should be how many people are reading your story yep and if your goal is to be something else you know is to figure out who you are as a writer mm-hmm. and to write something that means a lot to you mm-hmm. then those metrics are less important but mayor that means i have to think about my goals and who i am 
<laughs> that's annoying. Well, and I think that's what we do as we write, right? Like we're just yeah, picking apart life into pieces and sometimes we're not even conscious of what we're doing. I think, and I mean this super positively, most, like all authors write something for themselves and they hope other people enjoy it, right? Yeah. And there's this there's this this concept in open spaces, so open space meetups of all things that says like, whoever's going to come to your table and staying is the right person to be there. And if it's only one, it's only one. And that's the right person, right? So yeah. it's always good to think about that kind of stuff when you're writing. Because you said this at the beginning too. Maybe it's in the bonus material if you're listening to this in the main episode. So, well, maybe you want to listen to this on Patreon. <laughs> Thank you. Do it. Do it. <laughs> Well, maybe you're among the right people and you want to join my Patreon. There we go. That's manipulative enough for me, I think. <laughs> but yeah, right? So you were saying that finding your audience is what's important. Yeah. Yeah, finding right. your audience. And I think with, with the big thing with writing that I believe is that we choose to write. Like, there are going to be those people who are like on that AI writing bandwagon of like, yeah, you can pump out 72 stories a month and just <laughs> throw them on Amazon and make, you know, $20 per story, but eventually that adds up. And those people aren't writers, right? That's They're true. doing it for something else. They're capitalizing on an opportunity that they see. Mm -hmm. And, you know, humans are allowed to do what we choose to do. But if you are a writer, you know, and that's what you're choosing to do, it's because you like telling stories. You know, there's something yeah. about it. There's some element of joy involved in the process and if you start corrupting your process you know and robbing yourself of joy that could be there then you're making a sacrifice that i don't think is necessary or helpful in the long run yeah yeah oh man so many thoughts <laughs> okay weirdest segue ever but you're talking about the long run is there anything i mean you've pre-written broken path and releasing that as you go right you said that just the first volume yeah okay and then you're going to be on top of the second one, just like keep trying to ride that wave? Honestly, I think I'm I'm probably going to have a short hiatus mm -hmm. and to try to finish and at least get like my structural editing notes in before I share volume two with anybody. Uh, yeah, I haven't. Yeah. Again, we're very much the same, but we can talk about this later. Well, we're finally talking about writing again, so... <laughs> oh, no, no that's, I mean, I have all the strings. I'm good. No, the question that I was going to ask is then, well, you said you had editorial notes and all that kind of stuff. Is there something you would change in your story now that it's out, that you've learned while writing the end or writing the rest? No. <laughs> have you learned anything from writing over a while, uh, over time? Oh, absolutely, yeah. I mean, the thing is that because I wrote the story and then thought about it, and then published it. I learned a lot of those things before it hit uh, Royal Road, you know? And so there are a couple things I need, to, uh, the tiny things that I realize I could do better. And that if I do another editing pass for, well, I know I'm going to do this. So when I do my editing pass to go to Amazon or wherever, there are some changes I'm going to make, but I wouldn't mm -hmm. Like, none of them are huge. It's like, this scene could be better. Or, oops, when I was doing the rewrite of this chapter, I added a detail in the beginning of the chapter that shouldn't have been there until the end of the chapter. 
<laughs> um, oh God. I just realized that last night and I've been way kinder with myself than I thought I would be about something like that. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Oh, don't even get me started. I still need to do all the editing and I'm not quite sure if I want to edit as much as I think I want. But the different question. <laughs> yeah. Well, I mean, and it's also like there's a there's a point of diminishing returns. I think the the rule, the 80-20 or 90-10 rule of like, you know, 90% of the effort is going to get you that last 10% yeah. is pretty true. Yeah, that's very much true. Like, yeah. Combining that, however, with our insecurities about, you know, writing and trying to kind of like make it palatable to as many people as we can. Because despite saying it, we all think like, oh yeah, maybe if I change that, maybe more people will like me. We, we all do this, like for sure. Yeah. It, I mean, at the end of the day, no matter what I tell myself, some part of me believes that if people like my story, they like me. And if they don't, they don't, you know? Oh, yeah, absolutely. And if you combine those things, then you have a very <laughs> potent combination of always trying to, like, edit the little, like, the last sentence here and there. And you forget that it's about you. It's about writing a story you would like. And unless, you know, like a developmental editor whose main job it is to, you know come in and like go at your story with a wrench and a chainsaw or you know some other editor tells you like oh yeah we need to change this for sure like you can't write about ponies that way that's illegal then you probably don't really need to change it because maybe this one change will change your entire book into something completely different and you have to rewrite it oh god <laughs> oh no, no yeah like, this literally happened to me once a story i haven't published anywhere it's called the flower of the wish and the blood it's a urban fantasy thing I love it to pieces. I'm still thinking about it to this day. I still want to write that story again for the fourth time. Because when I wrote it for the first time, it was a comedy. And then I realized it doesn't really work because it's way too intense. And then I wrote it again. And it's kind of like this like action urban fantasy thing. And then I realized that I'm not really writing about this one character, but about the other character. So I had to write it again. And then I wrote that and it was shit. And I want to edit it all over again. And now I have to like think like, hey, maybe, maybe I should just, you know, like, Give it the royal road treatment. Push it out. Jump off that cliff and may God sort them out, right? Maybe that's a good idea. So, Yeah. Well, I mean, also, one of the great things about Royal Road, aside from, you know, getting to have a little bit more of a direct connection with readers and, you know, the validation element, mm -hmm. is that you get to, like, see in your analytics what chapter people dropped off at. Oh, yeah. One about 90%. I'm just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but I mean... Metrics. Okay. Should you even be looking at those? I wish that I looked at fewer of them, especially, I think, retrospectively. Like, if I'm thinking about editing and I'm like, I know that I need a lot of work on this story. Mm -hmm. Let me look at where I had the drop-offs. That's when it's useful. Yes. Is it healthy to just, like, rewrite a story while it's being serial released? Is that realistic? Probably not for most people. It's also not, not a good idea. Yeah, it's not healthy. And honestly, nine times out of ten, you'd be best served. If, like, you're f frustrated because you're not getting enough attention, you'd mm -hmm. be best served by starting a new story. Although, I do think that figuring out how to make a story work better, even if it doesn't make that story successful will teach you a lot of things that make the next story better. Yeah, that's true. There's many different schools of thoughts on this, right? Because, I mean, there's this guy by the first defiler on the Royal Road forums um, that I've quoted today. And uh, he says, basically, if, if you don't reach like 3,000 followers by the time you hit up, you fall off of rising stars, 
you can forget about making it big with that story. I don't necessarily agree. You just had this discussion uh, on the Code server, and they're mm-hmm. absolutely right. You can have way bigger success off of Royal Road if you're writing on certain niches that aren't yet as prevalent on Royal Road. So, for example, Cozy Fantasy is getting a foothold, which I really like. But on the other hand, Kindle Unlimited will still like quadruple or even decatruple your reach with cozy fantasy. People love that stuff over there. On the other hand, if you're writing long serial lit RPG with a main character and an insane like loot spiral or power spiral, Robot is the perfect place right now, right? So it really, again, it comes back, back to finding your audience. And just because it's not hitting that one number on this one platform doesn't mean that it's bad on another platform. Just try your stuff out. Yeah. Yeah. Don't let one subset of audience tell you whether or not your story is worthwhile. Absolutely. And I think, you know, to that point, the more people write these off meta stories, mm-hmm. the more people will come for them. Yeah. Did you notice how? rapidly road road is growing these days i haven't looked at those numbers but when i started just three months ago hitting 2000 followers on rising stars was like oh shit that's that's, that's really amazing now it's like people are hitting like 5000 6000 or we talked about it miles english hit like 9000 something something um, before he before he fell off of, off of rising stars those are insane numbers yeah and it's definitely not going to be every story, but it's yeah. a lot less anomalous when it happens. Oh, yeah. And also, I'm saying, like, first, the spearhead is getting really big with all the people who really like the anime style you know, writing, you know? And then maybe they will branch out and they will tell all their, like, I don't know, not anime friends about, oh, yeah, do you like sci-fi? Like, that's a really good story. Or, hey, uh, I've heard there's this really cool Middle Eastern genre that it's really, really fun. Why don't you give that a try, right? So more people on Railroad is going to benefit us all in some way or another. And I really hope it does keep growing and it keep growing as a community too, because the idea that you can have an open mic website for serial novels is so great. And it's not exploitative. It's relatively easy to kind of get the right people to look at your thing. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I really like it. Yeah, I'm a huge fan of the platform. I wasn't sure because I knew I wanted to give writing, authoring a shot. And originally I was thinking, I'll write a book and I'll release it somewhere. And then I kind of rediscovered Royal Road. I'd been away from it for a while. And I was like, oh, you know, this is just such a sweet platform. You know, everybody wins here. Yeah, and then you look at some stories getting all those followers and you're reading through it and you're getting all snobbish going like, I can do better. And then you sit down and you write and you suck and you're like, oh my God, I can't do better. Uh, right? So, or you write and what you write is great, but it's not going to do better with the numbers. Or you write and what you write is great, but it's not going to do better number-wise yeah. on Royal Road. And that's just something you're going to have to accept. Yeah. And then you release your book uh, on, I don't know, Telegram and it reaches the wrong channel and suddenly everyone writes, uh, reads it, pays you for it, reading it because they hate it. A lot of things can happen. <laughs> yeah. I, I mean, I've seen stranger things. Speaking about books ending up where they shouldn't, mm-hmm. what's a, like, what's a really big book that you love and why? A really big book? Or just like, what, what's a book that you love? Not necessarily a royal book, just book that you really like oh man okay well i mean i have these books listed 
on my like author's note in my blurb, but stories that sort of inspired me to write. I, I think the two biggest, three biggest stories that made me be like, I wish I could do something like this were Berserk, which is obviously a different format. Originally, I watched it in anime format, and then I got into the manga. The Name of the Wind taught me what someone can do with language. Mm-hmm. It just really got me excited about words. I'd never really cared about the words that constructed a story before that, but it just added so much and was so well done. I didn't feel like too much. It just felt like it fit rather than being flowery for the sake of being flowery. Yes, and... Yeah. At the same time, we completely obfuscated that there is no real story. <laughs> it, I mean, it's in the best possible way. That book is so well written that you're just reading it because it's one giant poem of 1,200 pages. Yeah. It's just a beautiful experience that you get yes. to savor every step through. Yeah. And I totally agree with you. There are some people who say, oh, I love the plot and whatever. And I don't. I don't love the plot. <laughs> I don't I don't really love Kvoth or whatever his name is. Quoth. Quoth. I don't really love him. But I love what he, the opportunity he provides as a narrator. Yeah. And I love the way that he narrates. And I love every moment I spend in that story. I just don't care about the events, you know. Yeah. And it almost feels as though the the events take a backseat, right? I mean, there's a reason why no one ever talks about the wise man's fear. Because nothing really much happens in it. And that's coming from a guy who literally wrote like three papers on this thing and I taught a class about it. I love this book, but I love it because it is so well written that it, no one cares. It doesn't have a plot or like it has a plot and it's a very standard. Like, it's so weird because like it starts something and then it completely peters out and does something completely different and no one cares because you just really want to see what weird, cool description he comes up with next. You can literally talk an entire hour just about the first page. But mm. I interrupted you. Oh, the third story would be The Lies of Locke Lamora. Yes, Scott Lynch. I was about to ask you about that, yeah. So damn good. <laughs> I have never seen anyone write insults as well as Shakespeare, but that guy gets really close, like really close. Someday I want to like sit down and just like grind out some practice with making fantasy insults. <laughs> because I, I played a little bit with that in Broken Path, but I just, I think that if I try too much to be like any other author, I'm just not going to do it as good. I have to do what I do well. Mm-hmm. There's a little sprinklings of that kind of humor and flavor, but but I'm not Scott Lynch. <laughs> yeah, which is good because otherwise you wouldn't be finishing the next novel. Oh, yep. <laughs> no, I mean, like, as always, like, people are different and some people actually write themselves into a corner and some people had like, really suffer from all these eyes on them because when Scott Lynch started, he was, like, maybe 1,000, 5,000 people, like, read his novels and that was great. And then he broke through and then he got his next novel out and I think after that it just becomes too much. Like, it changes you. When people look at you like that, it completely changes you because you can no longer be sure about yourself because it's having only people around you telling you how great you are is as bad as only telling only having people around you telling you how bad you are yeah i mean i've had people tell me that like at least 50 percent of who you are is how people see you oh yeah totally i always like like to say you are what other people see in you but you will become what you want to be but you will Mm -hmm. become the person you want to be I don't know. I don't like saying that authoritatively. Like, I'm not how people see me necessarily. Mm -hmm. Like, that's an element and it shapes who I am. And especially Mm -hmm. when you're young, 
and you don't have a established sense of self, mm-hmm. what gets projected onto you grafts onto who you are. But I think like around the age of 30, people, at least in the modern age and where I live, people tend to like reach a, start reaching for a different form of adulthood oh, yeah. where they start being like, wait, why am I this way? Like, <laughs> do I need to be like this? Yeah. I meant this more in a postmodern sense. Okay. Yeah. But you're completely right. You're completely right. Okay. Well, those were three books and we talked about why they're cool. But yeah, now is the fun part. Shout outs. Okay. How many do I get? <laughs> well, usually people only get one or two, but... Hmm. All right. Well, let's pick one from Rising Stars right now. Although I guess when this airs, probably won't be on Rising Stars anymore. I have had the pleasure of reading, exchanging short stories with this author, and I just really love the way that they think. And the story is Tenets of Eden, mm-hmm. the lit RPG that was originally written for that mirror challenge. Oh, okay. And they just like aren't afraid to go into exploring themes, but it's still fun. You know, to me, it doesn't ever feel like heavy. And I really like that balance. No, I got that. So Tenants of Eden, right? Who is it yeah. from? Who is it by? I'm. Let me see what they go by on Royal Road. Okay, 77. Okay. Oh, it's... Oh, it's Kanul. Kernel? Okay, because it's, yeah. I have no yeah, he, idea how to say he's, he's, uh, his name. He told me about this once, that, that the name came from his dad uh, when he and his brother fought over the family computer and he just wrote something. And I'm going to let him explain what the name means. Um, so it's K-E-R-N-O-E-L-177, right? I think just 77. Oh, 77, yeah. Yeah. I was thinking the L is a one for some reason. All right. Well, it's getting really hot in this apartment. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, that was fun. Thank you so much for being here, Mayor. Yeah, thanks for your patience with the the weird technical situation on my end. Oh, don't worry. No, don't worry about it. I had fun, even though I'm sweating my ass off and <laughs> out, of, out, of this, out of this PJ, not PJ sweater. Yeah. Again, thank you for being here, and you've been listening to the Crit RPG podcast. If you've enjoyed the show. There's more bonus material that is available on our Patreon. You can find it in the link below the episode. If you want to support us in any other way, tell your friends about us. You can shout us out on Royal Road if you're interested. Or, I don't know, ask me for some flyers and I'll send you some flyers and you can shove them into people's hands, something. We'll see. (laughs) All right. So, I don't know who's going to come on next week, but it's going to be a big one. So, I hope you're going to look forward to that. Thank you so much for listening. And I'll see you again next week. This episode has been brought to you by the Council of the Eternal Hiatus. If you're looking for a Discord server to discuss, read, or write lit RPG, this is the place for you. The server's hella queer, so everyone is welcome. You can find an invite link in the description below this episode.